0: well good morning and good afternoon wherever you are we're up to uh we're talking about mind noise and we're up to um gee we've done one two three four five six seven eight nine sources of mind noise and what we keep saying over and over again is that without mind noise we're intuitive we all are without mind noise we uh, can be what's called vacuous or available to listen, to observe, to witness, to experience, to be, to to turn up. Uh, in that state where we're not trying to get to the third phase of this month, which is the broadcasting system. So we're not into the stage at yet of being able to Uh, introduce thoughts that will transmit to other people what we are doing at the moment is getting clear on a emptying the mind which is a really important first step because how do you know if the quality of your thoughts are on track if you don't know how to be empty the second part of it is to make sure that the fullness of your mind is not full of rubbish and uh, garbage in garbage out we know that the senses the ears the nose the mouth your fingertips every aspect of your human condition the senses bring information in and on the in the process of bringing it in they they split it they becomes binary in other words the eyes can't tell 100 meters they just know 110 meters or 90 and they say that's about 100 meters so they the 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 eyes can see distance but Comparative, the ears can hear loud or soft, comparative. So when we split everything into a binary nature, we also split it into what's called emotion, energy in motion. The more binary we become, the more like that's too loud or that's too soft or that's too bitter and that's too uh, sweet or that's too uh, bright or that's too dark. The more binary we become, the more primal we become. Now, primal behavior is really fantastic. It's quite attractive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it certainly, for some people, drives work. It certainly, for some people, drives performance. The, the only trouble with it is, it's fir- firstly, it's not healthy because binary thoughts uh, are electrical impulses across cells. So every thought is an electrical current and if you go binary there's a lot of voltage across a cell and that cell starts to break down so if you look at the whole body mind science which uh, is which governs 99% of all western and eastern science we know that thought processes really do impact well-being and and uh, and health and the main way to look at this is the more guttural or the more primal our thought process the more binary the more fundamental the more we tax our body that that tax is not necessarily a healthy tax it's it's an electrical short circuit and so a lot of the illnesses and diseases we end up with come from binary thinking extreme binary so or recognizing that we can't get away from binary thinking what we try to do and what we what we Uh, uh, aim to do with uh, reducing mind noise is reduce the degree of binary so if this is how far um, our binary thinking is apart it's way apart at the bottom of let's say a pyramid at the top of the pyramid as it gets close to the top there are still two sides to the pyramid they're just closer together and when you get the two sides of a pyramid closer together people are afraid that we are seeking mediocrity but mediocrity is actually at the bottom of the pyramid, in the middle. So if you go down the bottom of the pyramid, you go way over there. Is it's too bright? Way over there, it's too dark. Way over there, it's the past. Way over there, it's the future. And and what people are, uh, what uh, what mediocrity is, is being in the middle, between too dark and too light, and not being able to experience or witness the the. the the incredible color, the spectrum of being a human being. We're still, as we get towards a higher consciousness, and we're still, as we get to the top of the pyramid, witnessing the full spectrum, we're just not reacting to it. And that's where color becomes alive. That's where we become alive naturally. We're not seeking in any form mediocrity. In Buddhism, they call this up the middle of the pyramid, the middle path, and what they're basically saying when they talk about the middle path is, is not to be boring, but to find uh, e- equanimity in in your search from which to watch everything that's going on. In Western language, we say if you be grateful for the bottom of the pyramid, that takes you up the middle of it. And so gratitude for the good news and the bad, too dark, too light, too up, too down. If you can be grateful for both sides, it leads you up the pyramid. And that's how we evolve consciousness. So today we're going to talk about a really important subject in inner wealth, probably the most important. And that word is frustration. Why is frustration the most important word in the inner wealth language? Well, Great question, Chris. I'm glad you asked it. (laughs) The answer is really, really powerful. And that is that we evolve in cycles. Nature never grows in straight lines. We evolve in cycles. And if you look look at the rings of a tree or you look at the development of rock or you look at anything, there is layers. When we reach the top of a layer, we feel absolutely fantastic we feel absolutely in sync we feel absolutely uh in love and we would really love it if we didn't have to grow more into the next layer we would love it so much if we reached a really good place in our careers in our relationships in our health in our mind in our knowledge if we went we would love it if we went to uni for four years from the age of 19 to 23 and never studied again we would love it so much because we would have knowledge that would be carried through into the future unfortunately that's not how it works we grow in circles we grow in cycles we grow in loops and so the knowledge that we earned at university about two years after we leave university, starts to become dysfunctional because it's incomplete. So all knowledge is incomplete, all experience is incomplete, all capacities are incomplete. And so that means that everything that we grow to know becomes an impediment to growing. So if we can't let go of what we know, If we can't say, you know, last year was my best year because, oh, wow, I nailed it to the fence. But if this year you're looking at it going, oh, gosh, uh, it doesn't look as good as last year, it's because you're using last year's knowledge and trying to apply it to this year. But this year is a different year. And you have to grow like you did last year. You have to grow from being a baby to an adult in one year. And now, guess what? you're going to grow from being a baby to an adult this year. And that means you've got to come to things with accepting and, and grateful for who you've been, accepting and grateful for what you've learned, but in some form or another, and I don't know how to word this really well, mm-hmm. discounting what you've learned in favour of learning whatever it is you're going to have to know this year to get through this year. And the cusp of that moment where we're saying, I have to let go of what I know in order to become a baby again, that's called a frustra. Where you go, I'm really frustrated in a way that I've invested all this energy and all this time learning stuff, knowing stuff, building stuff, creating stuff. And I've become really good at what I do. And now I'm frustrated that I may become not very good at what I do if I don't let all what I know go. And that's the same in domestic relationship. You could say the first year of marriage, you know, you understand, you everybody's really good at it. The question is, how do you make the second year as good as the first year, if not better? And the answer is, you don't do the same things you did in the first year in the second year. You've got to do things different. And the question is, how do you keep that joy of learning that a child has? They go through kindergarten, first year, second year, third year, fourth year, all the way. And they're excited about the idea of going to the next class because their friends are going there. There's a whole lot of opportunities, but they learn more. And it's an excitement about being dumb. It's an excitement about letting go what you knew because they can always see the high school kids being cleverer than themselves and they want that. But when we get to business, we start earning money. The cost of being dumb starts to become expensive. We think about failure, we think about loss of a marriage or a relationship, we think about our health. Um, And we, we start to think, I wonder if I could lock down my process so that my process no longer has to be different. And we start to develop, for example, I know many people who in their, in their um, journey, their spiritual journey, have studied things like um, Vipassana meditation. And I think that's worth a worthy tool in our arsenal at some point in our life to go and do some form of silent retreat. And it adds value at the time but to do another one next year, and another one the next year, and another one the next year. That's Groundhog Day. And that's kind of like saying, I want, the same, I want to use the same tool the same way every year when I face bigger and larger and more complex problems, I'm gonna use the same tool as I used last year. Now, the world is, we, I don't have to tell you that, the world is getting faster technology is taking over, artificial intelligence is here to stay, electric cars are here to stay, the world is different. And so if we apply the same thought processes to handling stress um, that we did last year, we are going to be uh, 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 the equivalent of a t-model Ford or button-up boots and it'll start to fail. Frustration is when our processes, our education, our learnings, and our experiences become incompetent. Loving the word incompetent um, requires A, 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 an obsession with learning. B, it becomes a recognition that if we don't, we are going to attract calamities, disasters and humbling circumstances. And that's a good label to put on the consequence of not responding positively to frustration. Um, C. Frustration becomes um, uh, a window into incompetence. And we have to have a sense of humour. We. You know, if there's one thing that I I can say that has stood out in my journey of life, and that is that I've been obsessed for 50 years with learning how to be Chris. And every time I learn how to be Chris, the world around me changes. The the number of people in the street changes, the neighbors change, the, the, the clients I work with, the people I want to help change, the environment, social community, the internet changes. And every time I get it right, I become happy that I'm getting it right and I'm growing. And then no sooner does that happen, than it all changes again. And I become, in some sense, incompetent. For example, today I'm, I'm looking at my membership of Flickr which is a photo upload app and I'm looking at my membership of Vimeo and YouTube and I'm looking at the membership that I pay for um, SoundCloud and Spotify and uh, for the internet and for my thing. And I realized I've been hanging on to a lot of these things that they've become for me in in my work, not functional anymore, they're old tools and they aren't serving the purpose that I originally bought them for. So I'm re-looking at my investment and what I invest in I want to go to something that has artificial intelligence built into it rather than the good old school of having a photo album so it's just it's it's a never-ending journey of competence to incompetence so Mm -hmm. if you walked away from this today saying I evolve into incompetence and therefore, obsession with learning about how to do my job, how to do my stress management, how to do my health, how to do my well-being, how to do me, how to do relationship, how to do all these things, how to do them better, is not about going over books that uh, I've already read. They're not about going to people who tell me what I already know. It's about going somewhere where I get shocked. Um, Another example, yesterday I was sitting with a client and they were talking about their friends who live in a, what's it called, a a truple. They're in a truple, which is a couple with three in it. And the child in that relationship has two fathers. And one of the fathers carried the baby and we were talking about the humour of how you have sex education with a kid. I remember when I was in Boy Scouts, and I, I don't know my age, probably eight or nine, and we had a sex lecture. And the, all the scouts came into the hall, and, and instead of doing tying knots, they tied knots in this. And they got a slideshow, and they put it up on the wall, and there's a massive big uterus, looked like bagpipes. And, uh, and they, then they showed a picture of a... A thing I think it was a penis um, going in a, a, a groove and leaving a, a, a tadpole and they described this whole process of uh, intimacy and sex education and pregnancy And I, we were laughing our heads off um, because you think about that lecture now so you get a test tube and you fly it from London uh, it was bought. It came from some guy who went to a shop and donated uh, with, and got income for selling his sperm. It's implanted into the guy who was a girl, uh, who uh, is now the father-mother of the child and whose partner is a male, a female or something, who carries the baby. And, you know... Talk about incompetence. If I had to give a sex lecture right now, I could give the one that I, that I know from my history, and I could give the one that I probably give myself, you know, the male sperm, female egg. But I'm also um, constantly in touch with transgender people and gay people and the and, um, and a, and a full spectrum of pregnancy. And so I, I suddenly have grown into my own incompetence, and it's time for me to immerse myself in being gender aware uh, in order to stay relevant in my work. And you could say that's frustrating—that I already knew something, and now I have to, n- n- in a way, uh, recognise that what I've I've outgrown what I know but it's the same with leadership and it's the same with business strategy and it's the same with relationship and it's the same with everything you do. You'll notice my desk here today is in a different position than it was in yesterday. If you're watching this, Um, I move my desk around (laughs) probably more than most people. And I find when I start to feel, because I have very little mind noise, I start, when I start to feel, uh foggy I know that i've i need to reinvent myself reinvent my environment and i just move the desk around three hundred and sixty or two hundred and eighty degrees or i change some layout on my thing or even put the microphone down instead of up uh, change the microphone for a while use a different one i i just tweak things to try and make them um, more efficient more um, better more and operate in a much more uh, uh, scientific way so that I stay up, stay on top, stay evolving and I don't wanna wallow in incompetence. Uh, I have an old saying and it makes people laugh and that is I've never been in a race, I couldn't win. And so when I was racing ocean kayaks and that was my passion sport, I would choose the events very carefully to make sure that in my age group I could win I, I, it doesn't mean I always did win but I could um, and I never went into an event where the world champion and 15 of their best friends were coming in and I had no hope of winning I just wouldn't go in it and it's a little bit like saying I want to stay competent and but I recognize And I honor Mm. the fact that I grow into incompetence. So frustration is such a noisy thing in our head, but there's a way of dealing with it. And that is evolve, grow and, and accept that frustration and incompetence are one in the same topic. This is Chris. You have a beautiful day. Bye for now.